we played uh, Bring It Back, I know that's whack a few Sundays ago. We're going to play a similar game. Uh, we're going to play a game called Which is Better? So I'm going to give you two options, and, uh, and then I'm going to ask you guys to cheer for the option you want. So I'll say the first option, the second option, and then you cheer when you hear the option you prefer. Okay? So which would be better? To spend two nights on vacation in Hawaii or two weeks on vacation in Iowa? Okay, so the Hawaii crowd, let me hear you. <laughs> Iowa crowd, let me hear you. <laughs> Bruce, what do you love about Iowa? I, that is for sure. That's for sure. I've been to Iowa, and I went through Iowa, and I never have to go back to Iowa. Okay, which would be better, to smell like onions for the rest of your life, or to smell like fish for the rest of your life? You have to pick one, okay? Okay, who's the onion crowd? Who's the fish crowd? <laughs> Almost unanimous. Almost. <laughs> you have to pick. There is no middle ground here. Okay. I'm sorry. No, you can't. No oars. Fresh fish? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fresh fish. Okay. Third option. Which would be better? To swim in a pool of Nutella? Or swim in a pool of maple syrup. Okay? Who's the Nutella crowd? <laughs> maple syrup? <laughs> that would be gross, but yeah. Sure. <laughs> okay. Which would be better? To always be too hot or to always be too cold? All right, who's the hot crowd? I realize now that was a weird question. Uh, Who's the cold crowd? Yeah! Those are my people. Those are my people. Yeah, it is. You're meant for the peat bogs. It's supposed to be cloudy and cold all the time. That's where I'm supposed to live. Okay. Would you always rather have to sing to every song you ever hear? Or would you rather have to dance to every song you always hear? Or maybe not like a full-on dance, but you like have to like bounce and move. Like if you're driving, you obviously can't dance, but you could like maybe move your fingers or something. <laughs> All right. Who is the sing-along crowd? <laughs> Who is the dance crowd? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. This one's close to my heart. Would you never be able to eat potatoes again or have to eat potatoes for every meal? Who would never eat potatoes again? That's sad. That's a sad life. Who would eat potatoes for every meal? I would do that now if it didn't have detrimental effects on my health. Okay. Okay, would you always uh, rather be full or never have to be thirsty again? Or never be hungry or never be thirsty? All right, so those are the options. Which one would you rather have? 
Who would never want to be hungry again? Okay, we like to eat. Okay, we like to eat. Who would never want to be thirsty? Yeah, I agree. I'd much rather not have to drink water and still get to eat pizza. I think that would be great. All right. Would you ra- what would be better? To have you win $50,000 or have your friend win $100,000? <laughs> of your choosing. And there's no, like, quid pro quo here. Like, hey, if you win 100, I know. It's just, no. Yes. No, 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 no. No, no, no. You don't get any money, access to any of the money of your friend, okay? Okay. There's a right answer here. <laughs> but I'm curious to see. This is going to really influence my next sermon series. <laughs> Who's the win 50,000 for yourself crowd? Right here. Okay. <laughs> Win a hundred thousand for your friend. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. What would be better to have to eat pizza once a day for the rest of your life, or to never be allowed to eat pizza again? All right. All right. Who's the pizza once a day? Who's never again? Are you like against pizza? I'm pretty sure if pizza was a thing, Jesus would have said, give us a day, <laughs> our daily pizza. I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's anachronistic. And, okay. But, but here is the real question. This one's actually really serious. What would be better, to only drink orange juice with pulp in it, or to never drink orange juice with pulp in it, or pulp, without pulp? I'm never, never going to let this go until we have a unanimous decision. <laughs> Who would only drink orange juice with pulp in it? <laughs> Who would only drink orange juice without pulp? <laughs> we learned some things today, for sure. We definitely learned that some of us are rational human beings who love life. <laughs> and we learned that some of us are monsters who like floaty things in orange juice. Okay. I'm joking. Pulp isn't that bad. <laughs> yeah. Trini, you can hold me accountable. Okay. Pulp is bad. I'm going to read that. It's okay. It's okay to have a different opinion over which is better. All right. And, but this is exactly this, this which is better kind of thing is exactly how Solomon starts uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 7. So if you would go ahead and turn there with me. And we're going to be in Ecclesiastes 7 and 8 today. And I just want to kind of remind you where we are. So we are in the midst of a series called Living in Reverse, where we are looking at how to live a good life based on what the end is, which is death. And we also are seeing what else Solomon pulls away from his life. And in Ecclesiastes 7, the first 14 verses, he uses the word better, depending on your translation, about eight times. And he's writing to us some interesting observations about life 
Some of which may be hard to understand at first, but we're going to try to work through those. So let's go ahead and, and we're going to start working through these chapters here. I was in Matthew. I wasn't even turning to Ecclesiastes. So we're going to be uh, starting in verse 1 here. But it is also important to know that just because uh, Solomon says something is better than something else uh, doesn't mean that the other thing is bad. You know, orange juice with pulp, orange juice without pulp, they're both good, they're both orange juice, just one is better than the other. So just because Solomon says something is better than something else doesn't mean it's bad. But keep in mind that Solomon is also in the book of Ecclesiastes, kind of like that sad kid at the back of your class. He's like, oh, yeah, like things are so good for me. He's like, yeah, but you're still going to die, okay? <laughs> like, he's just kind of like that bummer kid. So he is realistic as well. Let's look at verse 1. A good name is better than a good ointment, and the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. It is better to go into a house of mourning than to go into a house of feasting, because that is the end of every man, and the living takes it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for when a face is sad, a heart may be happy. The mind of the wise is in the house of, the, of mourning, while the mind of fools is in the house of pleasure. So notice the word better there. It's used to make some strong points. So this which is better game that Solomon is playing is not nearly as fun as the one that we were just playing. Uh, but I think we need to consider some of these things. So how... Is a good name better than a good ointment? Well, by ointment, it's important for us to know that Solomon is probably most likely referring to a spiced or a fragrant olive oil. All right, so it's kind of this olive oil that's been dolled up with these things that smell good. And the point of this is that you can put it on yourself, make you look healthy, make you look younger, more youthful, make you smell better. Um, all good things. So it's not bad to smell good. It's not bad to look more youthful, to look healthy. But he's saying that having a good reputation, having a good name, gives off an even sweeter aroma than any perfume could ever have. All right? If you walk into a room and, and someone says, wow, that, that person is a stand-up guy, or I'm really impressed by how she acts and carries herself, that is way better than your smell. <laughs> All right? Good or bad. Solomon wants also to know that uh, things are temporary. All right, so how is a day of death better than a day of birth? Which may seem like a harsh thing to say, right? Obviously, a baby being born is a great and joyous thing, and Solomon says, actually, a funeral is better than that. Keep in mind, this is in the context of Ecclesiastes, right? So this is not... By itself, And I think reading verse 2 specifically helps inform exactly what Solomon is, is meaning. Look at verse 2 again. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting, because that is the end of every man. What Solomon is, is saying over and over again in the book of Ecclesiastes is that death reminds us of our own mortality. It makes us live a wiser life, a better life, knowing that the end is death. And so if we keep that in mind, if we keep that in focus, which going to funerals, going, having your mind in that, in that place of mourning on occasion, it makes us live fuller lives. It drives us to do what is better now. 
And so a wise person really realizes that the focus of life can't just be on the temporary things of feasting and laughter, right? There, there is more than just that, and we have to look past that. We can't just seek pleasure over and over again, because if we do, at the end, our life will be full of regrets. So let's go ahead and finish this section from uh, chapter 7. We're going to read verses 5 through 14. And as we do, pay attention to what Solomon says is better and kind of try to think about it. What is he saying? It is better to listen to the rebuke of a wise man than for one to listen to the song of fools. For the crackling of a thorn bush under a pot, so is the laughter of the fool, and this too is futility. So just to pause right there for a second. Have you ever had a really thin branch or like a thorn that's really dry and you throw it on a fire and it goes, and it's like gone? That's what Solomon is saying, that the laughter of a fool only lasts for a second. Verse 7. For oppression makes a wise man mad and a bribe corrupts the heart. The end of a matter is better than its beginning. Patience of spirit is better than haughtiness of spirit or being proud. Do not be eager in your heart to be angry, for anger resides in the bosom of fools. Do not say, why is it that former days were better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask about this. Wisdom along with an inheritance is good, and an advantage to those who see the sun. For wisdom is protection just as money is protection. But the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of its possessor. Consider the work of God, for who is able to straighten what he has bent? And the day of prosperity, be happy. But the day and the day of adversary, adversity, consider, God has made the one as well as the other, so that man will not discover anything that he that will be after him. So really, these first fourteen verses here are comparing wisdom and foolishness. And what Solomon is doing is hoping that we learn how to be wise and realistic about life at the same time. I particularly like verse 10, because I think sometimes we try to romanticize the past. Right? We look back and we think the things that were back then are so much better than they are now. Or this particular thing was the best because... But Solomon knows that there is nothing new under the sun and that all times have their particularly good things and bad things, right? I think this is also another call, as Solomon has done before, to make us not live in the past, right? We can't live in the past. We can't control the past. But what we can do is live in the present to prepare for the future, right? That is a reminder from Solomon, but even if we have all wisdom, if we had all wisdom, if we do everything that is godly, we will still be messed up, <laughs> right? That is exactly what Solomon says in verse 15. Even if everything we do is right, the brokenness of this age will somehow find its way into what we're doing and mess things up. Look at verse 15. I have seen everything during my lifetime of futility. There is a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness and there's a wicked man who prolongs his life and his wickedness. Life isn't fair. 
it would seem fair that a righteous person would live a long life and be blessed. And that a wicked person would be somehow punished by dying early or having everything that they have taken from them. Right? But that is not the truth of this age. But don't worry. Solomon does reveal that things will be better for the godly in the long run. Look at verse, uh, chapter 8, verses 11 and 13, because he touches on this a little bit, just to give us some reassurance here. Ecclesiastes 8, 11 says, Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed quickly. Therefore, the hearts of the sons of men among them are fully given to evil. Although a sinner does evil a hundred times and may lengthen his life, still I know that it will be well for those who fear God, who fear him openly. But it will not be well for the evil man, and he will not lengthen in his days like a shadow because he does not fear God. So we do see that in the end, ultimately, those who fear God will be better off than those who do evil, even if right now in this age, justice isn't given to them right away. And honestly, thankfully, justice isn't given to the wicked right away, because guess what? (laughs) Guess what? We would be a part of that punishment too, right? So God's patience is salvation. So we can know that in the end, it is better to live godly than it is to be wicked. We know that in the end of Ecclesiastes, it says, God will bring every act of judgment. Everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil, everything will be judged. So, if you see bad deeds happening, and they're going unpunished, don't be surprised, because that's exactly what you should expect. And I hope this is obvious, but if you see someone getting away with something, and they're not getting punished, don't think that's also an excuse for you to do it too. Right? Just because someone is getting away with something doesn't mean it's godly or that it's good and that you can do it. True wisdom is able to look beyond this immediate effect of someone's actions and know that in the long run, what is right and what is wrong. So I guess I'll ask you a question. Which is better? To live a godly life now, even if it's not validated until the end of the age? Or to live a wicked life that may be temporarily prosperous, but will ultimately lead to judgment. I'm going to let you just pick. I'll just let you pick which one you want. So let's explore the the wisdom in chapter 8 just a little bit more. Look at verse 1. Who is like the wise man, and who knows the interpretation of a matter? A man's wisdom, wisdom illumines him and causes his stern face to beam. So what we read here, uh, is that really, truly, a wise person is set apart. That, in fact, they do have some kind of blessing based on their wisdom and their interpretation of things. And their knowledge is what causes them to smile. It's their cause of joy. So this person who is downcast and has a stern face, when they find wisdom, then is smiling. They're happy. And so there is definitely some satisfaction that comes from wisdom. It may be uh, one of the few parts in Ecclesiastes that actually is, has a positive tone. That wisdom actually does bring some good things. As we said, that if you live a good life, if you have a good reputation, which comes from wisdom, is better than any of these kind of good temporary things. 
right? Look at verses 16 and 17 as well. Because I do want to finish off today with giving you a large dose of humility, all right? Well, I guess I'm not giving it to you. Solomon is. Verse 16, when I gave my heart to know wisdom and to see the task which has been done on the earth, even though one should never sleep day or night, and I saw every work of God, I concluded that man cannot discover the work which has been done under the sun. Even though man should seek laboriously, he will not discover, and though the wise man should say, I know, he cannot discover. Solomon says that if we gave everything we have, if we gave our whole heart to know wisdom, if we didn't even sleep day or night, if we just sought after the truth day and night, at the end of our lives, we would still know nothing, right? We, we still wouldn't truly know what God is doing in the, in the scope of the universe. I mean, we can hardly see tomorrow or make plans for a week, a year from now. Right? And what God is doing is on a scale of eternity. It's not even confined to just a generation or an age, but on a scale of eternity, which is why Solomon says you can search God out and his wisdom for your whole life, but you still need to know that you're not going to know it all. Right? And that's the conclusion that he comes away with, which is the first point of our application today. Be careful to say, I know. Even if someone is wise... And they say, I know something. They don't actually really know, right? There's still things unknown to them about that. Because there's only one who truly knows, one who completely understands, and that's God. And Solomon was granted wisdom beyond anyone else who had ever lived. God gave him that, and he still says that he doesn't know, all right? So I'm going to burst your bubble for a second. If you think you know something, you don't. Okay, But that doesn't mean all is lost because that gives us an opportunity to continue to learn. And, but it also means that we don't have to just lean on our own understanding, our own knowledge. I do think Solomon, with this point, is pushing us a little bit towards God. He said, you're not going to know, but God knows. So listen to what he says. That you can trust. That you can rely on. Which leads us to point number two. Godly ways are better. What is better? Godly ways. That's what he says. That even if a wicked person gets away with it now, in the long run, God is going to bring everything under judgment. So it is better to follow God and be obedient, even if you don't understand why. Like we were just talking about our limited knowledge, right? Sometimes God tells us to do something. Sometimes he says, this is right and this is wrong. And even if we can't understand the reason why, or we think we have good reasons to disagree with him, it is on us to live obediently anyway. It is better to live in God's limiting commands than to live in our own limiting knowledge, right? Everybody says, or sometimes people say rather, that What God says, the commands he gives us, the box he puts us in, is limiting. And I don't want to have all those rules pushed onto me. Which to which I would say, you already are limited. (laughs) Right? You can't do anything you want. And if you just live life based on your own knowledge, you're going to make a lot of mistakes along the way. In fact, I think we are freer 
if we choose to live in the obedience of God because he knows everything and he has told us. Which is good news because you don't have to be super smart or know everything to be wise. You just have to live obediently. And lastly, Solomon does conclude that life isn't fair. And we just need to be okay with that right now. That sometimes things are going to be unfair. The righteous will die young and the wicked will live long lives and gain wealth. The godly will be persecuted and the sinners will feast. But we know that even if it doesn't make sense, that God is still in control. Right? That's what chapter 7 verse 14 says. In a day of prosperity, be happy. In a day of adversity, consider that God made them both. Right? Whether your day is going bad or your day is going good, God made it both. He's still in control of that day. So I hope all that we've looked at in chapter 7 and 8 humble us. Bring us to a state of humble appreciation. Knowing that even if we don't know everything, God does. Even if we can't figure out the best, God shows us his will. Even if we can't control evil, God is in control. All we have to do is love wisdom and walk humbly with him. Please pray with me. God, I thank you for the teaching that you've given us through Ecclesiastes today. I just pray that we continually rely on you through everything. And that you're in control. Please allow us to live obediently and to love your word. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.